Hello, and thank you for listening to the Tech Girls Podcast. This is Trisha Walsh, your Tech Girls Podcast host. On this podcast, we will explore women and girls in technology. We'll hear their stories, dreams, challenges, and triumphs. In today's Tech Girl Podcast, we are talking to a group of summer college interns that have just spent the last 10 weeks at a major American clothing retailer working in the technology division, supporting various business needs, and addressing multifaceted problems to solve. We are talking today with Michelle, Renee, Grace, and Jennifer. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being guests on today's Tech Girl podcast. Hi, Trisha. Thank you for having us. Please tell us about one of your earliest experiences with technology. Um, I went to a tech magnet high school, actually. Um, so we took an introduction to C++ class. We worked with chipboards. Um, and I thought it was really cool, and I wanted to be an engineer, but I wasn't the best in my class at math and science. Um, and I seemed like an English person, like people typed me as an English person. So I then thought, oh, I'm not good enough, so I should go into English, because that's what people tell me. Um, and then when I was in college, I met more women scientists and mathematicians who encouraged me to, to do it. So same question, Renee. What was, uh, tell us about one of your earliest experiences with technology. Well, my fa- I have two brothers, so my family grew up with a lot of video games. Um, so that was the first time I got to see graphics and things on a screen that moved just like a TV, but you know, that was so much cooler and kind of you, this interactive experience that you got to have, um, with a video game. And similar to Michelle, I did, um, I did, there was a camp that I did in, in high school, um, at the University of Notre Dame and it was an engineering camp. And so, um, some people spend their summers like going to the beach and I spent my summer at, <laughs> at an engineering camp, like building robots. Um, <laughs> But that was really fun, and I think for a long time, I always knew that I liked math and science, but I didn't know if I wanted to go strictly into a science, so biology or chemistry, um, or then do math. And so after that, that camp and kind of seeing engineering at in practice, um, then I decided I was going to be an engineer. Awesome. Grace? Uh, well, the first time I think I was really fascinated with anything technological was when I was about 10 and uh, these toys called Tamagotchi were really yeah. popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, had, I had a couple of them. I really liked them. And then one day I noticed the screw in the back and I decided I'm going to take it apart. So I took off the back. Oh, look, there's a battery. Oh, and more screws. Okay, let me take these screws off. <laughs> oh, whoa, there's a circuit board. Oh, my goodness. You know, all that. And then, um, but yeah, I didn't do too much more in tech until I was in high school and uh, they were offering a computer science class, so I took that and learned Java processing. It was it was a lot of fun. It was like uh, graphics, so you immediately got to see like the results of, of what you were coding. So that really got me interested. Awesome. And Jennifer, everyone has such specific stories. I was trying to think of what my story is. Um, I think all of my experiences as a kid with technology are as a consumer. So similar to Renee, it was just sisters and and me. So it was a household of girls and we played video games all the time. Um, And I remember that being a really powerful uh, impetus for us to, or at least for me to be interested in like, oh, what's happening there? And 
um, this little box is, contains worlds of enjoyment. Um, but I didn't do anything outside of consuming technology, and I didn't really think about technology as a career until um, I was out, out, out in the real world working um, after my bachelor's. So let's talk about what is your current major um, and what will your degree be when you finish? And leading after that is how did you make that selection? How did you choose that? Um, And what other majors did you consider uh, before you picked the one you're uh, pursuing today? So I'm going to Mills College and I'm getting my Master's of Arts in Interdisciplinary Computer Science. So um, after college, uh, so I majored in Black Studies and Legal Theory. Um, and blacks, I didn't really, when I went to undergrad, I didn't really understand what my professors were saying. Like the English was so like high English, like where I come from, like people speak grammatically incorrect and it's fine and people misuse words, but we understand each other. Um, so black studies had an explicit curriculum. So I learned how to do reading and writing while also learning about the history and philosophy of the continent of Africa and the diaspora and legal theory because I was passionate about law. But anyway, I moved to the Bay Area um, shortly after college and was thinking, what do I want to do with my life? I am pretty tired of client-facing work. And um, and I saw the cool stuff with technology, and so I wanted to learn like how to build technology and help with social good in some way. And so with my master's degree, like my thesis was working with a nonprofit, um, APA Equality in Northern California, to help them with their tech needs. I go to the University of Maryland and my major is computer engineering and before I picked that major I took my AP government class in high school. I really decided I was like, I'm going to be a computer science major. I mean a, a political science major mm-hmm. and um, and along with, with being a chef so those were the <laughs> things that were floating around. So going back to the camp that I did that really solidified another coding camp as well as that one solidified um, me being an engineer. You're all currently wrapping up your summer internship at this large company. What did you learn during your internship that surprised you? And at the end of this experience, do you feel like anything was missing from an internship that you expected or expected to learn? I wasn't expecting to retain as much information as I am about all of the different technologies that we worked with. It focused on breath, not depth, while I'm a depth, not breath person. So this was a growth opportunity. And um, to be honest, when I the project was first proposed on the first day of my internship, as this was what I was doing, I was like, oh, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but it went. And um, I found that the communication skills that I had worked so hard for, like trying to get up to speed as an undergrad, that was definitely on a different starting point than many of my peers. Um, That actually paid off because I'm so intent on making sure that things are accessible um, and being sure to break down what information someone's giving me so that I actually know all the connecting parts, which was then helpful in distilling like however many long meetings about this one thing that we were working on to my other co-interns who maybe weren't at the meeting or like, wait, what were they saying? Like, I don't actually know what security endpoint does for our app. Yeah. And so one thing that I thought was missing was like actually doing more coding. Mm -hmm. I thought like, oh, you know, code, but I actually, I made like, you know, one job for Jenkins and that was cool. I've learned, so I didn't come into the internship knowing Ruby or Chef, and so I've gotten to 
learn more about Ruby and Chef and, and make recipes and cookbooks. And um, so that's been a lot of fun. I think something that I've learned here, though, is really what a good, succinct team looks like. Um, in other internships, I haven't been that happy. And this is the best one that I've had. And I think now I could better recognize what a team that I want to be on looks like in terms of are they going to be supportive? Do they respect my values and opinions? Do you know they give me responsibility just like everybody else on the team? So that was a really big deal about being here, and that was really great. I think what surprised me is that the stuff that I learned, it wasn't so much like technical skills as just how to like work professionally with others. So I think I've learned um, to be a lot better about emailing people it's better to just hit send and not like agonize over the email for like 10 minutes. Just, you know, send lots of emails because I've been working to deploy Carbon Black to the Linux servers and it involves a lot of like reaching out to this application owner and, and trying to ask, can we please put this on your server? And they're like, you want to put what on our server? And then the next application owner and et cetera. So just be confident, ask people for what you want, just go for it. I think the internship iterated for me that um, a lot of the work is uh, problem solving and then clearly communicating some of the things that people touched on. You want a team that's going to be supportive of if you don't know something, it's almost more valuable to say you don't know than to pretend you know. They don't. Uh, a lot of people don't like that. And um, for a while, I thought, well, maybe that's the way people get into this industry is pretending they don't pretending that they know something when they don't which i think is maybe true but it's not a valuable uh skill it's i mean if you really want to be taken seriously it's better to admit your fault than to pretend you know something um and i think that my team uh made that clear for me and uh while the work wasn't um software developing heavy or using tools um, maybe creating something. Um, it was a st you still have to know what you're talking about, um, and I think that kind of iterates what I was just saying. Uh, you to help people problem solve, you need to think creatively and think outside the box. But you also have to understand the systems that people are using and sort of the constraints that they might have. Um, and knowing those things, then you can really help people solve the problems that they have. Um, and InfoSec is a lot of cleaning up or explaining things or helping people um, understand why something is better than something else and communicating that clearly and being able to empathize with what they might be working on and the timelines and deadlines and expectations that they have are really critical. And if you don't have that um, empathy, then you're not going to be very good at your job. So I'm going to ask just the group, and please jump in at any point, do you believe that technology can change the world? And in what ways? Yes. <laughs> I think it, it's true. I mean, if you think about technology and what it looked like 50 years ago, it's definitely changed the way people interact with each other, um, how far you need to be to interact with someone, the kinds of ways that you want to interact with someone. And not to mention the kinds of um, tools and uh, systems that people are using to just maintain sort of like the status quo of a specific country or society. Um, 
And some of it's for good and some yeah. of it's for not so good. Um, like compulsively tweeting. Is it the best thing? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but being able to tweet things with people that you've met um, at a conference um, and being able to do that from far away, I could see the, the value of that. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I obviously really love technology and that's like my, that's what I want to pursue for the main focus of my career is like, how can I work with technology and how can I make it accessible to people and make sure it can service the needs of its users really truly. Um, but I also am like cynical in the sense that no technology is not going to solve everything. We need to work in conjunction with other industries that are important and aren't going to go away anytime soon. It's not a panacea. Um, and so like for my thesis, one of the people I've read is, um, Kentaro Toyama, who talks about that. He's a computer scientist that mentions, you know, technology is, uh, an amplifying tool for better or for worse. It'll magnify existing problems or it'll magnify, you know, the potential good. So um, it's not to dismiss or like to value the opinions of my wonderful colleagues here. Um, but that that's that's what I feel. And as, as much as I love it, I also want to be sure that that doesn't drown out the voices of the other, other industries that need to be there and need to do good work. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll hear from our guests, their take on a current news story. This episode of the Tech Girls podcast is brought to you by all the amazing contributors to our Indiegogo campaign. We want to especially recognize our givers at the Tech Girls champion level. They are Cindy and Steve Walsh, Lauren and Fermin Mata, Sonia Dillon, Dave Walsh, and Yvette Romero Aguilera. Special thank you goes out to Jim McAway, who contributed at the Tech Girls Superstar level. Thank you all for sharing our vision of bringing the stories of girls and women in technology to this podcast. back, continuing our conversation with our guests, a group of summer college interns. So my next question is, recently in the news, we saw an employee fired at a major tech company over a memo he wrote, perpetuating gender stereotypes. He specifically outlined that biological differences play a role in the shortage of women in tech and leadership positions. What has been your reaction to this news story? Sadness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shock. I remember hearing a story of um, someone asked everyone's favorite astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson um, a question about that, um, and he had a very thoughtful response that didn't, I think, make that person feel or kind of. Um, I don't know. He's not, he wasn't yelling or anything like, "Why would you ask that question?" There's it's such a heavy loaded question. Um, but it's it's a sad reality for 2017 for that to be something that someone feels comfortable writing um, and hearing sort of the response that there's a lot of people who feel that way and and I mean you just kind of wonder what experiences in their life led them to believe that that's fact. But it's it's I mean I think that's kind of why you want more women to go into these fields. Um, and you need more women to go into roles of leadership at at major companies because if you ha- make it more welcoming, if you have more women there, then 
then maybe the tide will change and people will start to see people differently um, and their own um, ideas of what women are like change. I mean, maybe not very quickly, but they're sort of having to confront their own ideas. Other reactions? I guess it always catches me off guard. I'm I know that people are bigots, are racist, are sexist, but it will always catch me off guard to hear it from someone or to read it exactly from someone Um, because you know that those opinions exist all the time. So not surprised, not surprised, not shocked, especially in the field that we're all in. You know, I'm the only woman on my team being here. And so it's it's nothing that it's stuff that I know that that exists, but bouncing off of what Jennifer said, right, for someone to feel comfortable enough to think this is something that I should tell my entire company about, <laughs> you would think probably not. <laughs> you probably yeah. wouldn't think, to, I wouldn't, I would never think to do that. You know, I think that's something that you share in your individual circles, but it's it's been kind of an interesting thing, I think, looking at the entire year in terms of People feel really comfortable putting things online out there and they feel like it's totally justified. It's okay. Um, I feel like now we all, free speech is thrown around all the time. And I was listening to something on NPR and they were talking about free speech and then someone was talking about unfree speech. You're not allowed to say things like that. That's unfree speech. And so it's just... We need more women here. We need more minorities in this space. I mean, all of these, th- the tides start to change. I know we had one talk with a, a VP and, and she was basically saying, you know, the conversation starts, if one woman comes in, then that woman teaches her son that a woman can do anything. And that woman teaches her daughter that the woman can do anything. And that's how you start. And, you know, and that woman can also tell her dad um, and grandfather and you know and that's how that change kind of moves through but we just definitely need more more here in the technology space absolutely makes me think too about how how prolific this problem is I mean it's not just tech and women or women against uh, tech but it's just a, such a embedded problem in society to genderize things and so as soon as you start genderizing children then they start to think that oh everything's sort of binary there's girl thing there's boy things there's nothing sort of gray and that makes it so hard I think that makes it hard to change how you view the world because you've been seeing it in binary and you realize not everyone fits binary and then I don't know maybe you react violently to that or you then I don't know start to think become cynical and negative about specific people but um, if you don't have if you don't have that in your society, what what would your society look like then? How do you view people who don't fit the binary definition? And yeah, I've I've seen so many instances where if you're a girl, you're into that. If you're a boy, you're into that. That's a boy thing. That's a girl thing. Um, and I think you, you just kind of have to fight against that as early on, or if you're aware of it and conscious of it, teaching other people to see that way is also very difficult. I have little nieces, and so I think about that all the time. Like, how do I teach them to not 
put themselves in that box unless they want to. Yeah, to add to what these folks have said, which I ditto. <laughs> um, but I, I gravitate towards voices that I feel like are really clear and can debunk this stuff. Like, like all of the assumptions, like they've done the work of just like dismantling whatever BS <laughs> this person espouses in an attempt at seeming legitimate or legitimating those claims. Um, but yeah, so Erica Joy... Um, I don't know if that's her real last name. Um, she's on Twitter. She's great. She's a black woman engineer who's like hits all of those points that are framing hard questions in a way that's very clear. And so, yeah, just like highlighting those voices in technology, um, I think is, is how I stay sane and have hope. <laughs> I think Vinay and Jennifer definitely touched on this, but I think that what you're told as a child like not just directly but indirectly mm-hmm. does influence so much of what you think that you should do with your life um and so it's really hard to to say oh yeah the difference is is genetic because there's so many societal factors even if you just hear once like i don't know on tv you see some character that is both female and technologically just illiterate and you see that pattern repeated that can just influence you to disproportionately and so I think that it's sort of ridiculous to to just groundlessly state that that it's something genetic when we haven't tested that and we can't test that because you can't just isolate you can't like control for all the factors like it's just Mm -hmm. spurious like and also about like free speech when people like use that to justify what they're saying, they say, well, I can say this because free speech. And it's like, well, yeah, you're technically legally allowed to say it, but that doesn't mean people have to like avoid condemning you and, and calling you out when you say things that are just hurtful and wrong. So, All right, final question. So if you could just tell us about a work of art that has influenced you and your life in some way. I'm going to say that... Uh, Sci-fi and fantasy are some of my favorite um, genres, and I remember watching Star Wars when it was re-released in the late 90s and thinking, science fiction is so cool. (laughs) Going into space is so cool. Thinking about what it takes to do all that and and changing uh, fandoms here and thinking about, like, Star Trek with the, um, you know, just goal of exploring space for explorative reasons, nothing else. Um, I think that kind of hope um, and inspiration to do something that requires such high technology and um, is really unfathomable even now at this point, even with all the really awesome stuff that's happening with NASA and SpaceX. I think that's kind of a, a really cool window into technology and into STEM is thinking, wow, you could build stuff that's actually good and helps people without damaging the universe. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. So I would say those would be some of the pieces that were really influential for me. So there's, if you guys remember, and it's, I, I guess you could call it a piece of art. And it was less influential, but more just made an impact on me. So if anyone has ever seen the Pepsi commercial oh. with Kendall Jenner, oh. and why I'm, why I'm mentioning that is because there's in, in companies, and of course I hear it a lot, 
you know, diversity of thought and making sure you have a wide variety of opinions um, when doing something. And that was the biggest probably mess up in terms of (laughs) money spent. Um, But they thought that was a great idea. And that was the crazy thing, you know, and all of us are sitting here like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And yeah, who approved this? Right. Yeah. And and so it's kind of weird to then think, okay, so you would think Pepsi would have shown this to some, someone should have seen this and said, do we really think this is doing, it's ju- doing justice for what it's supposed to be doing? And I guess along with the Google memo always catches me off guard to see something just blatantly why did you think that that was okay and I'm like why don't just bring me into the room I would have watched it and said you know what do this all over again because I just it's just weird to think how many people you know such a big corporation how many people saw that and then thought that was okay and it's also strange to think about okay there there are a lot of people of color in that commercial and you know and I guess if you're an extra you're not going to pull someone aside but it's really like you should have really thought about that yeah. or even Kendall 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 Jenner I like didn't really have a problem with her honestly until I realized you read the script you saw you saw what the message was and you thought it was okay and that was just something that that was just eye-opening yeah. because I would I like to think and my parents say you know how I grew up is hopefully a lot different how they grew up is hopefully a lot different than how I'm growing up but it's also something that's very strange because, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not called the N-word every day like my parents were, but there are all of these other things that surround, that have surrounded my life and experience, and that is something, that was something that is just like, clearly we haven't gone anywhere because <laughs> you thought that that was something that was supposed to be giving such a great message Kendra Jenner is smiling everyone's drinking Pepsi as if like <laughs> that really is the reason why Black yeah. Lives Matter exists right. yeah. yeah just give him give, give a cup of Pepsi because yeah. <laughs> if it was me he wouldn't care he would take the Pepsi and still arrest me so it's just it doesn't make any sense yeah. to that point I think the other question or the other side of that is how people watch this knew it was bad but also didn't say anything because they couldn't or it was too many you know, right. VPs or C-level people were like, this is a great idea. And, mm-hmm. and you're sort of being thinking, no, it's not, but I don't have a voice to communicate mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there was plenty of those people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Michelle, Renee, Grace, and Jennifer. I wish you all the very, very best of luck in the rest of your college career and where you're headed next. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. The music you are enjoying right now is composed by Susan Davis Warren and recorded by Matt Sebaslian for the Tech Girls Podcast. <laughs>